Hi everybody, welcome to this latest edition of Beef and Lamb New Zealand's Seen and Heard podcast. Today we're going to talk about M. Bovis again. Um, for those of you that are regular followers of the podcast channel will know we have a couple of podcasts on the topic already. And today we're going to be talking about the National Beef Survey. We're going to talk about what that is uh, in depth, how it's going to happen, why it's happening and what it might mean for those of you who have beef herds. So I'm joined today by three people from MPI with um, some fairly detailed roles and detailed job titles to go with it. So I'm going to get each of them in turn to ex- uh, introduce themselves and explain who they are and a wee bit of what they do and before we get on to the technical details. So first, um, Alex Crosby, welcome along. What do you do all day and what's your title? Thank you. Um, I am the Beef and Dry Stock Program Manager uh, for the Mycoplasma Bovis Program. Um, so what that means is that I uh, look at the beef population in New Zealand I design ways of looking for evidence of mycoplasma infection in that population and I do the logistics and um, implementation of, of that, the survey that we're discussing. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh, next in line, Amy. Amy Burrows. Hi, Alan. Thanks. So similar to Alex, I'm managing the milk surveillance program for the dairy sector. Uh, the most substantial which at the moment is the National Bulk Tank Milk uh-huh. Screening Program. So my role is maintaining that but also analysing the results that are coming in yep. so that we can both maximise our ability to identify infected farms but also to reduce the number of uh, false positive results that come through and therefore um, minimise the number of farmers that are, I guess, caught up in the program as much as possible. Yep. And so, I mean, what you t- what we're pl- going to talk about here today with the beef is broadly analogous. We've got the national survey through the bulk milk, and this is the equivalent for beef. We can just do it in a slightly different way, obviously. Yes, that's cool. right. All right. We'll talk a bit, a bit more about that in detail. And because the two are quite linked, I guess, yeah, it makes sense to give some background to what's happening there. And Mark Neal, welcome. Thank you. Um, I'm the Principal Advisor um, Operational Epidemiology at MPI. My background is I've come from the TV program, so uh-huh. I've been involved with the TV program for more years than I care to mention. Um, and I'm, I'm seconded to the role. And uh-huh. the role involves um, decision making, working with the team towards um, getting farmers through the program as quickly uh-huh. as possible, and um, making decisions based on um, disease risk and controlling the disease. Um, keeping a handle on how we're going. Brilliant. Okay, um, elevator pitch then at the start and, and that we're going to dig into in detail. The National Beef Survey for, or Beef Surveillance and Testing for Mbovis. Two minutes or one minute or 30 seconds, whatever you can sum it up in. Who's going to do that and tell us basically what's happening and why? Okay, um, well, at, at this point in the outbreak, um, we've been tracing an infection that came into the dairy sector. Mm-hmm. Um, from what we understand, uh, we've traced a network of farms that are associated with each other by animal movement. Um, and after that outbreak came in, it's moved into the beef sector, um, largely through animal movements uh-huh. from dairy. Um, so at this point in time, most of our infected properties are, are beef properties. Um, so we need to, to confirm um, some of the things that we think about the outbreak in the beef sector. And to do that, we need to, to look into detail in the beef sector. So we talked about it being analogous to the the program that we have in uh-huh. in, in dairy, um, looking at bulk tank milk. Um, obviously that's not so easy to do in beef, um, so we've designed a survey um, that'll look in the background of the beef sector outside that network of farms that are linked by animal movement uh-huh. um, to confirm that 
the infection isn't widespread in properties outside that network. Okay. And so what's the testing? What are you um, going to do? So we're going to be taking blood samples. Mm -hmm. um, that's been the mainstay of, of the program so far, with the exception of, of testing bulk tank milk. Um, so we'll use an ELISA test um, on blood samples, and that's a test to see if animals have been exposed mm -hmm. um, to infection. And it's a test that's quite valuable to use at the level of the herd for interpreting if a herd is likely to have mm -hmm. been exposed, um, but it's probably less valuable to use at the individual animal level. So we'll be using it at a herd level, and we'll target um, you know, more than 2,500 farms mm -hmm. across New Zealand. And the key is it's going to be done in conjunction with TB testing. Yeah, so um, we looked at a lot of ways of doing mm -hmm. the survey, um, you know, ways that um, would have meant people had to draft their cattle specifically for, mm -hmm. for this, this program, and we decided that wasn't, um, you know, really acceptable to do. It's quite a disruptive um, process to have to get cattle in just to test them for, you know, mm -hmm. for mycoplasma. Um, so we're, we're tagging on to existing things that are already out there that mm -hmm. have animals in one place where we can, you know, test them. And, and one of those is during TB testing, yep. um, when they come into meat processes and when they enter places like feedlots. Okay. So what we're going to be talking about today, though, is the one, well, it's the same test, I guess, but the one that's aligned with TB testing. Yeah. For, um, same, same test is being used across everything, but okay. we're, we're talking about the TB yep. testing component. So broadly analogous to the bulk milk testing, except it's easy there, technically bulk milk's done every dairy herd in the country? Or every the dairy herd that's supplying to Milk Test New Zealand. Okay, yep. So, uh, but a different test. Now, um, we're going to talk about the ELISA test and the accuracy of that. And what have we found in the milk bulk testing? Has it shown unexpected um, levels or does it confirm what you thought with the tracing? What's um, What have been the results that have come out of that? Yeah, sure. So I guess when we implemented the ELISA test, which mm -hmm. is the same test as what we use on serum or blood samples mm -hmm. and also bulk milk samples, um, but we just use different cutoffs mm -hmm. for the different um, sample types. So when we first implemented the ELISA test on bulk milk samples back in 2019, um, I guess we didn't really have any expectations mm -hmm. of what we found, so we paired that with a different test, the yep. PCR test. Um, so we were able to get a good sense of, mm -hmm. of how that test was performing on bulk yep. milk samples. Um, we identified through the bulk milk screening a small number mm -hmm. of infected dairies that weren't known to the program yep. at the time of the screening. So that then prompts us to um, implement our tracing methods and see how those farms are connected to the properties we already know are infected. And so there remains only a small number of infected dairies where we haven't been able to take them back to the yep. network. The key thing with it, it didn't find widespread infection or, or certainly no more infection than you were expecting in the dairy herd? No, that's right. Okay. So the test is, is highly specific, mm -hmm. which means that we don't get a lot of positive results overall and we follow mm -hmm. up all the positives yep. that we do get and we're still finding very small numbers of infected dairies. Mm -hmm. And so with the beef, um, and we'll drill into it, are you not hoping, expecting the same, that it's a, a um, reassurance or reaffirming what you think you already know, you're not expecting, or you obviously don't know until you do it, you're not expecting that you're suddenly going to find a whole heap of... Uh, so no, we're basically interested, we've, we're moving away from looking at the specific network and mm -hmm. tracking the, the risk around the country, mm -hmm. and we're trying to assess what is actually there, so there's, 
an expectation that the level will be very, very low mm-hmm. within the, the beef breeding um, industry outside of the current network. Yep. And this may not be, so is the bulk, te- bulk milk testing carrying on? It is, is, yeah. yeah. Yep. So that this, you're going to do the first round starting very soon. Is this also something that may carry on for some time with beef? Yeah, so um, obviously the, the bulk tank milk program has been going for, for an extended period at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're still in a phase where we're finding infected properties mm-hmm. and we're um, what we call delimiting the extent of the outbreak. So mm-hmm. we're working out just how many farms are infected. Um, so this needs to continue for the duration um, of that delimiting period. Um, so at the moment, we're running it for a 12-month period. Mm-hmm. And after that point, it will continue in, in some form. It may be slightly different to yeah. what it was in the, in the first year of operation. Um, but after that delimiting phase where we've found the infected properties and dealt with them is over, um, we enter a new phase of the program where we have to demonstrate that New Zealand is, is free mm. from infection. And this is a, a really valuable way of um, providing data for, for those efforts in the future too. Okay, because one of the comments I noticed in some of the material around this is, is there's about 118 beef properties and you say uh, that have been confirmed infected with mycoplasma bovis and you say that almost all of those are traces. So some of them have not been able to be linked to a, a, a dairy, an existing... So or a, when we, we say they're traces, we have to have a level of confidence that okay. that's true. Um, there are others that have anecdotal evidence that mm-hmm. suggest they are from the network, but we haven't, haven't gathered got, that evidence. Haven't got the nature. So for the most part, like there is the majority of the yep. beef foods that we have have some relationship to Just the Just how industry. robust the evidence is for That's that correct. trace. Okay, so that in turn then, um, we'll talk a bit more, but say two and a half thousand farms is your target for the, the beef surveillance? That's our projection on what we've had in previous years. It will be within that ballpark, yeah. That you're, you're going to do the blood tests? Correct. Associated, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not going to put you on, and I know this is sort of, again, but you would not expect that you're going to find no. um, based on what you've found so far with them. You know, the tracing. Uh, there's always questions about um, defining the New Zealand beef industry yeah, into different yeah, categories. Where we're going to go? It's it's a it's a thorny challenge, um, simply because there's such a big dairy herd, uh-huh. and there's um, you know in some areas uh, a prolific supply of feed at, at times that don't always suit um, just dairy or beef operations. Uh-huh. Um, so so beef animals of dairy origin are used to, uh-huh. to manage our feed requirements in, in pasture. Um, which means that a lot of beef herds have links to dairy. Mm. Um, so, you know, we're anticipating that, that we might find a small number of, of farms, mm. but we anticipate that they will be uh, linked to that network of dairy properties. Yep. But we're not expecting to find it widespread mm. in the beef breeding sector. Yep. And you're, the evidence today you're not going to, not expecting to find, I think sort of a, somebody used once the term black swan, you're not expecting to find a herd where you can find no way it's linked or, or suspect it's linked. That's our expectation. That's yeah. our expectation. Um, so every time we get a result from an yep. infected herd um, that has live organism, mm-hmm. we grow it. Um, we then gene sequence it, so mm. we get the entire genetic code of that mycoplasma um, sample that we've we've pulled out of that, that herd. And by doing that, we compare how the pathogen has changed over mm-hmm. time to, to previous... Um, ones that we've grown and isolated from other herds, because all pathogens, all, all mm-hmm. bacteria change a little bit over time, um, we can actually use that to, to you know, 
inform our belief um, that this is a result of a single incursion mm -hmm. and so far nothing's contradicted yeah. that idea yeah well, i know it's a bit unfair to ask you guys to talk about hypotheticals and things but i know um, our farmer audience always have these sorts of questions so um yeah until you've done the testing i guess we don't know what you're going to find but that'll be the. that's why we're doing the testing yeah. so yeah. going out doing the blood tests mainly linked with with existing tb testing um you're talking around about two and a half thousand farms what proportion is that of the total beef farms or beef herds and uh, how did you come to that number um, so that's uh, a representative portion um, of the beef breeding herds mm -hmm. that, are, that are listed in the in the DMS and it, it comes out to somewhere in the vicinity of one in four um, that we can we can target yep. so it's beef breeding herds beef yeah. breeding herds yep. yeah okay and a random selection um, it's not completely randomised. It's based on how many animals mm -hmm. people can present. Um, so it's really important to avoid having a huge number of false positives um, mm -hmm. come out of this program. And because of the test that we use, we need to test a certain number of animals. Um, so farms aren't targeted, um, but farms that are, you know, able to present larger numbers for testing are the ones that will test. And the minimum number is what? About fifty. Fifty yeah. beef cows. Fifty beef breeding cows eligible for TB testing. Yep. Yeah. The actual number that will be sampled could be between 50 and about 220 animals, yeah, depending yeah. on the region and how many stock are actually yeah. within that region. So, so the, the coverage. You, if it's a 1,000 beef cow herd, you're not going to test all of them? No. no you'll be up to 220, that's yeah. just statistically... Between 50 and yeah. 220. If it's a 50 cow herd, you'll have to test every single animal, but as the herds get bigger, you don't necessarily have to. That's correct. That's it. Yep. Uh, why the cutoff of 50? We know, I mean... Not necessarily breeding cow numbers, but there's a lot of beef herds with under 50 animals. There are. Um, so we need to be, you know, in the region of um, at least over 80 and ideally over 90% certain that our uh -huh. screen, if a herd looks positive, uh -huh. it's going to be a positive result um, to avoid, you know, disrupting people's, um, you know, farming operations uh -huh. by having to retest a heap of herds. And, you know, 50 is a, a sort of minimum number that uh -huh. we can we can use for that. As a, as a screening program. Okay, well that's a probably a good time to talk about the blood test, the ELISA test, and the, the comment is that it's not good for individual animals, but it is for herds. So do you want to explain how, to a layman, those two sound contradictory? Yeah. So how does that work? Why is it, you're saying you've got to have that number, yeah. and then you can be quite confident, but why, why so, if you find one animal, can you not be confident? I guess it's, it's getting into this idea that all diagnostic tests are are perfect mm -hmm. um, and that's certainly the impression that you know that we get when we get a diagnostic test be it from a doctor or from a vet and mm -hmm. um, that conversation about the fact that testing isn't perfect um, isn't one that we often have um, so we know that this test um, doesn't always pick up all the animals that are positive as positive mm -hmm. and that sometimes it identifies animals um, that aren't positive mm -hmm. as positive um, and I guess a good example, you know, from from human medicine is, you know, other screening tests, um, like testing that happens for uh, prostate cancer, mm -hmm. um, is is probably a less reliable test um, than what we're sort of currently using it as a ELISA test for bovis. It's a trigger for for further testing to occur, mm -hmm. particularly when it's used um, in the way that we're using it um, on a on an opportunistic sample of animals that present for testing. Mm. Um, so because the performance of the test isn't perfect, the more times you repeat it, the higher the confidence yeah. becomes at, at that group level. 
Um, and because we've got the luxury of being able to do a herd rather than an individual animal, um, the simplest way to make this a more accurate um, and interpretable test is just to test more animals. Yeah. So the first round is a screening test, mm -hmm. and if we find something that is of concern to us, mm -hmm. it's at that stage, and we're not expecting very much of that, that we would go back and do additional tests to build up our yep. level of confidence. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a, a statistical thing. Roll a dice once, you may not get a six. Roll it 50 times, the odds of not getting a six in 50 rolls... That's it. Is I mean, if you've, got a, if you've got a bag of, you know, black marbles and white marbles, mm -hmm. you've got a 70% chance of, of pulling out the right one. The more times you do it, mm -hmm. you know, the, the more likely you are to get an accurate representation of the marbles in the bag. Yep. So, coming back again, you know, just understanding what it is and isn't doing two and a half thousand farms which isn't all the breeding herds it's a fairly significant proportion uh, what do you do if you extrapolate from the results you get that it's a fraction of a percentage of those herds are infected you're going to extrapolate that to the herds you didn't test and say there must be so you'd expect the same proportion out there and then what do you do how do you find those herds there's two things we're trying to do with this to start with for the most part we're trying to assess is there a bigger problem mm -hmm. than what we currently know we have? Mm -hmm. We believe the majority of the infection is within our known network mm -hmm. and that there's very little outside of yep. that and what is outside of that possibly is actually related mm -hmm. to the network we currently have and we need additional investigation. Yep. It may find some herds that we haven't mm -hmm. yet found that are linked. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the benefits. The second benefit which Alex alluded to before is around it's giving a level of confidence over time mm -hmm. that there is no infection. So with repeated sampling over a number mm -hmm. of years we build up a picture of what's going on so farmers might not be s sampled in the first year but they might be sampled in the second year and that uh, okay. often aligns with their TB testing. So yeah. a, a way to look at look at that is to look at this whole program mm -hmm. as a diagnostic test mm -hmm. um, you know with the whole beef population as an animal um, so it's the same thing statistically the more times mm -hmm. we apply that test over time over a number of years the higher the confidence becomes yep. um, that infection isn't widespread in the sector. But other parts of the sector, you know, other beef beef herds are being being targeted for testing in different ways yep. that'll kind of augment that information too. So again, just this two and a half thousand, is that what you're gonna do in the first year or is that total over a number of years? That's the first year. First year. And a farm that's in that two and a half thousand may get done again the following year? Are you, are you, has this been repeated so over time? So at the moment time? we're aligning it with TB testing. Yep. And so we know that TB testing is different mm -hmm. throughout the, the country. We have the different disease control mm -hmm. areas and where there's a slightly higher risk associated with yep. wildlife source, there's more frequent testing. Yep. And, and a larger proportion mm -hmm. of the herd is actually tested. So at this point we're trying to gather information at a regional level. Mm -hmm. And um, as we gather that information we need a representative sample for each region. Yep. So for those areas that test less often, um, it's unlikely that they, for TB, mm. that they'll be tested again in a subsequent year because yep. they often have a larger proportion of the beef breeding heads as well. Yep. Okay. So it will be um, running over more than one year as well. Is, is that that yep. is the expectation. Obviously, we're going yep. in there to, to yep. test the theory that mm -hmm. there isn't widespread infection, and, and provided that is what we find, mm -hmm. then the intention is that we we proceed this year we're trying to mm -hmm. get to the point where we've delimited the disease within the mm -hmm. network and then beyond that we're trying to gather evidence of freedom for the country yeah. we're looking at yeah. the beef industry and we're also looking at the dairy industry with the continuation of the yeah. bulk tank 
So again, the analogy with TB, the testing carries on even when we're not finding anything That's to prove exactly it. right. And, and as we're doing in the TB program, uh, in a lot of areas, it's we're heading towards that proof of freedom. Mm-hmm. We're providing evidence of the fact that there is no infection there. So in, in the TB program, we kill possums, chop them up, and make sure they're not infected. So just thinking about how a farmer might end, so you've got the minimum cutoff, 50 cows, you want to do that, you're trying to do about 2,500, you also want, it's not purely random because you want a regional spread, a decent sample in each region. So, But other than that, it's, um, once all those things are said, it is relatively, who It's actually, aligned with TB tests that are coming yeah, up, so that we're TB, not doing yeah. additional, so, again, additional tests. The really important message about it is that if somebody's coming to test your herd, mm-hmm. It's, it's not because we think the herd is infected. Yep, it's um, and if somebody's tested your neighbour's herd, it doesn't mean that we think your neighbour's herd mm. is infected. Um, yep. You know, we're not actually targeting um, properties that are, you know, under active surveillance from the mycoplasma program, and we're targeting properties that aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so above a certain number, it's it's just because you're due for TB testing. Yep. It ties in, it's an international yep. survey. So how um, are people going to find out if they're likely get tested. So the first that farmers will hear that they've sort of been selected is when their routine TB test comes up, they'll get a test from their TB tester to mm-hmm. organise that test and he will discuss with them at that point whether there's a requirement for mycoplasma mm-hmm. testing. Okay. And if it happens, what happens? Is it more people coming on or is it the same people that are doing TB testing are doing the reading? Um, so we've, we've designed the programme and we've engaged Assure quality to, to deliver uh-huh. it um, for us on the basis that it's a minimal additional disruption. Uh, so that means that there may be um, extra personnel uh-huh. um, that come out to the farm uh, to bleed the cattle um, and they will take a, a single blood sample at the same time as either the, the test or the, the uh-huh. read for the TB testing visit. Yep, and that's just a basic one of those wee vacuum tubes in a yeah, neck so, artery, or I mean, in the tail, in, in the, the tail, oh, in the tail as well. Okay, so, so nothing. It, it can be done in the race. Um, you know, plenty of people have had cattle bled for hmm. for BVD or yep. or similar programs or for export. Um, yeah, basically, if you set up and able to do a TB test, then this is going to be you can do it. Yeah, a little bit extra time, but no great, no great yep. extra time. Yeah, cool. And then what happens? So after that, um, we need the results to be available as quickly as possible. So they get posted off um, mm-hmm. on the same day with a courier. Um, they get sent to an AQ uh, laboratory um, where they do the ELISA test in, mm-hmm. you know, the order that, that samples arrive essentially. Um, and after that, um, the results become available to, to AQ. Uh, they become available to MPI. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're interpreted. Um, the the risk uh, of the property's you know association with that network of infected farms is assessed mm-hmm. if the results aren't aren't negative and um, you'll be contacted uh, by MPI if you have a, a result that isn't negative mm-hmm. to say that further testing is required um, in the case of negative results we'll also we'll also get in touch um, via email mm-hmm. and um, we'll let you know of the negative result within 14 business days yeah. Yeah. So if it requires retesting, it's not automatically assumed that you, the herd does, is infected with Mbovis? No, you not do, at all. What do you do? Test, so it's just highlighting herds for us that require yeah. extra attention. So that's the screening. What is the extra attention? Is it just a higher level so of ELISA testing? What it will be is we will come back and we're going to potentially test a slightly larger sample mm-hmm. of the herd on another occasion. Same test? The same higher test being proportion, applied, but a larger yeah, proportion. Yeah, for that 
statistical yeah. reliability that we yeah. talked about. So um, with a program as it is, there's multiple rounds of testing that determine a farm status. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to really accurately determine um, what you know management groups, what mobs on mm-hmm. the farm uh, those animals represent. Um, so we need to gather further information about the farm, um, which is, is done through the, the mm-hmm. um program. And we need to identify, you know, an, an optimal number of animals to test, which, you know, can be up to about 250, mm-hmm. depending on the farm. So just on that test, you know, and we've talked about why as an individual, not so great, but as a herd, fine, because of repeatability and, and statistical probability and those sorts of things. Are there things, so there is, it can throw up for an individual animal a false negative or a false positive. Mm-hmm. Are there things on farm that can influence that, or is it just the nature of the test? It's not if they've... So had a drench the day before, or the so it's, it's vaccine or something. It's quite an interesting test in the mm. way that it's been developed. Um, so there's there's many you know different types of ELISA tests available for many different mm-hmm. organisms, and there's multiple tests available for Embovis. And the reason that we use the test that we use for Embovis is we're looking for um, a really specific antibody that's associated with Embovis infection. Mm-hmm. And the advantage of our test. Um, is that it's quite good at looking for, for you know, really um, big, heavy antibody molecules mm-hmm. that are very particularly associated um, with infection with mycoplasma bovis. Um, so there's not a lot of things um, that we're aware of that will cause that to react to something else mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, will it affect a TB test? Um, and will a TB test affect it? Okay. Um, there's no evidence that mm-hmm. that's the case. Um, will something like drenching um, cause an animal to be falsely positive? Um, not that we're aware of. If an animal is positive or a herd is positive and there's an extremely stressful event, um, you know, which may correspond to, to yarding a bunch of cows and, and, and drenching them, um, that could cause them to shed the organism, but that requires them to be positive. Yeah, already. not a false positive. Not a false positive, yeah. yeah. Yep. So for individual animals, is that... Is it repeatable if it's a, if an individual animal more likely to be a false positive or a false negative each time, or is it a, each time you test them the chance or the accuracy is the same? We find that the results that we get are consistent um, okay. across across tests. So some animals just tend to for whatever reason. So there is a gap between yeah. a, basically a time frame that is allowed between the two tests, mm-hmm. and in herds where there is a very low level of reactivity mm-hmm. below our threshold, yeah. essentially. Um, you can have animals that show up at one test and not the, not the next test, yep. but um, because this time frame is usually about three weeks mm-hmm. between the two tests, um, for the most part there is a consistency yep. from one to the next. So if there is something else causing that reactivity, it's still present in the animal yep. at the second test. Yep. And again, I mean, it's just understand that on a herd basis, it's not that important because we want to know if a herd's infected, we're not talking individual animals. Yep. So two very different types of tests mm-hmm. that are being applied because we're obviously doing a TB test at the same time mm-hmm. um, for a very different organism which um, you know allows for the, the culling of yep. individual animals um, with a test that has a different sort of accuracy and a different testing mm-hmm. method um, to what we're using for mycoplasma bovis. Um, but mycoplasma bovis, because of the organism it is and because of the types of diseases uh, that it causes... Um, has to be interpreted at that herd level and the, the consequences of a mm-hmm. positive result are at the herd level too. Yep. Okay. And we did, I don't think we've touched on it on the podcast, we were talking before we started recording, it doesn't really matter 
which of the TV tests it's at, you know, the, the first no. one they jab and the second so one they read um, It's just when the animals in terms are in the, the logistics of getting it done and yep. having the testers travel around the country, um, it can be at either mm-hmm. inject or read. Yep. Visit. So it's trying to get a handle on the national herd, which is for the good of the beef industry as a whole, as well as individuals, and for, for our um, aim to eradicate Mbovis. It's working in with existing um, activities on farm. It, a letter or a phone call, rather, or, or being selected to be tested is nothing ominous at all. It's not saying there's anything background to it. Um, when do you start? Um, so we'll be starting a small number of herds in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be just making sure that the actual process of testing is occurring smoothly, yep. um, that it's not excessively disruptive and that we can get all of our you know, lines of communication between the field and the lab um, sorted out. Mm-hmm. And um, later on in February, we'll be, we'll be scaling that up nationally. Yep. And all going well, this is just another step on the process of eradicating and or confirming eventually that we've got eradicated in bovis. That's great too. Anything else? that we've missed or that you guys want to add or you did want to comment on because this is all new to me so I'm I guess you know this concept is all new to to beef properties Um, just you know reflecting on that it it's an important thing to be doing Mm -hmm. and and you know we've explained why we want to do it but we are appreciative Mm -hmm. of of the additional time that it might take people um of the fact that there will be some disruption, mm-hmm. um, but it is it is worth doing. We're trying to get this done as quickly as possible, um, both on the visit yeah. and for the program as a whole. And we appreciate people's people's input into that, just as we've appreciated how mm. dairy farmers have have got on board with um, Boltane milk mm. testing over the last couple of years. Cool. And the key thing, and one of you did touch on, is it's there's, it's not saying you or your neighbour or anybody test has actually got it. It's just trying to make an effect. It's trying to make sure you haven't it's got it. It's a survey. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? That's pretty much covered everything. I think so. If people want more information, where do they go? NPI website. Um, We'll have further information up and there'll be links from both the Beef and Lamb website and Osprey. Plus information will be handed out by the TV tester at the time. When they turn up. Being carried out. Yep, and I'll put a link in the description of this podcast with um, probably both the MPI's page and to Beef and Lamb's page. But I had a look before. If you go to Beef and Lamb's page and type in Bovis in the search, you'll get pages and pages of information. But the top one is our, our overall Bovis page with uh, links to all the other the podcasts, the videos, the fact sheets that we've got, as well as to MPI information. So. And just one thing, um, TB is caused by Mycobacterium bovis yes. as opposed to Mycoplasma bovis. There's sometimes some confusion. They're not relatives at all. No, um, somebody was on a, a freezing works tour and saw offal in a bin with Mbovis written on the side of it and freaked out, but it was micro. So there's no human health yeah. they It was TB, not Mycoplasma bovis. There's, there's many other different species of bacteria that, that share yeah. Mbovis too. <laughs> all right, hey, look, on that note, we will wrap it up unless there's anything suddenly removed. So, look, Alex, Mark, and uh, Amy, thank you very much for coming in. And um, as I say, links in the in the description of this podcast if you want to find out more information. And um, good luck. Hope it goes well. Looking forward to seeing the results. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.